It's time for us to check in with TV Week magazine blogger Rick Forchuk. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Raji. How are you? I am doing very well, officially accepting that it is fall because it is actually chilly when I wake up in the morning. How about you? Is it that? Same thing, same thing. Yeah. Bet you're getting a cool breeze off the water in White Rock. Yes, ma'am. We certainly are. And you've got the latest in movies for us. What's the big one in the theaters that people are talking about? Well, I think when the numbers come out later this morning, the number one movie is going to be The Woman King. Yeah. And I honestly, Roger, despite having seen the trailer a dozen times at least, did not really know what to expect from this inspired by actual events story of the slave trade in Africa in the 18th and 19th centuries and how it was handled by the king of Dahomey, King Gizo, played by John Boyega. Now, what spun out here was an amazing story of a woman named Minista, terrifically portrayed by Viola Davis, who led the king's army, an all-woman troop known as the Amazons. The cinematography is exceptional. The costumes, the accents, the dialogue, all spot on. And the complex story woven around the politics and practices of slavery are a real eye-opener. Although I think most of us may know at some level uh, that it was the Africans themselves and many nations who rounded up their own and sold them to Europeans and Americans who shipped the slaves back to their homelands to be dealt with like livestock or worse, uh, we find here that the country of Dahomey became known as the People's Republic of Benin in 1975. But the film's portrayal demonstrates the fact that King Gizo, like many of his counterparts, quickly became dependent on the money generated by human trafficking and all of its cruelty, which is depicted here in such a fashion that we really get the idea of the horrors endured by those victimized but there's nothing gratuitous demonstrated at all, just the straight goods. Naniska tries to help the king understand that exports of such things as palm oil and other food crops could generate just as much money without the human tragedy, but he does not see that. So, because most of the able-bodied men in the villages of Dahomey have been either enslaved and taken away or have been killed in battle, it's Naniska's female army that trains, foregoes all personal relationships such as marriage and motherhood, and fights ferociously for their country and their king. The casting is absolutely great. I really love the way the cast is put together here. We have well-rounded characters. It's not just an action-driven movie, but a character-driven movie in every respect. I believe this will be an Oscar contender on many levels. Outstanding story, a great look into a culture that has rarely been portrayed with the accuracy as this on the big screen. 14 is the rating, Raji, and that is The Woman King. It's a terrific movie. Sounds super interesting, and I know that there's a lot of hype around it, so I'm not surprised to hear you say that there might be some Oscar action around it. And then people are talking about See How They Run, and and this is the name of an Agatha Christie mystery, isn't it? Well, sort of. It it sort of is, but it really isn't. Even though Agatha Christie has nothing directly to do with the script or the plot of this murder mystery, with comic overtones, it's set in London's West End in the 1950s, uh, and uh, the author and the fans of the genre will find plenty of Christieisms here. Uh, the Mousetrap, the Agatha Christie play, which uh, at the time of this movie's setting was celebrating its 100th performance. It's still running there, by the way, after 70 years. Uh, but uh, it's a movie within a movie, a play within a play. It stars two Oscar winners, Adrian Brody and Sam Rockwell, and one Oscar nominee, Sarshi Ronan. And murder is afoot here. Amidst plans for a movie version of the hip play, everything comes to a shrieking halt when a key member of the production crew is found murdered. A world-weary Scotland Yard veteran, Inspector Stoppard, played by Rockwell, 
is assigned to the case along with an eager rookie named Constable Stalker, played by Ronan. Christie fans may take note that Stoppard was the writer of a play called The Real Inspector Hound, a play within a play within a murder investigation, too. And there's a character in this film named Max Malawan, which is the actual name of Agatha Christie's second husband. So we have all kinds of Christieisms here, all sorts of Christie trivia. And as the action picks up, the Scotland Yard team finds itself investigating the murder at its own peril as the ugly underbelly of the world of theater comes into play. I really like this movie. Uh, it deserves being seen twice. There's so much to it. It's called See How They Run. It is in theaters, and uh, it's a hoot. It's a real hoot, Raji. Okay, I'm probably going to check that one out. And Pearl. Pearl, well, you know, this one isn't for everybody. Um, British actress and writer Mia Goff co-wrote the script for this way-out-there horror film, which is actually a prequel to the movie X from earlier this year, in which a group of young filmmakers set out to create an adult read porno film using an out-of-the-way rundown farm for their setting. When the owners of the premises learned what the group was up to, the horror began. And this one is a slasher chiller in the most obscenely vulgar fashion imaginable, making the Texas Chainsaw Massacre look like a Winnie the Pooh movie. Now, this one, Raji, was shot simultaneously with the first film. It tells the story as to how to Pearl, that's how Pearl, Mia Goth's character, came to be involved with the movie makers in the first place and how she became the vicious killer portrayed in X. I would say that this one is for hardcore, explicit horror fans only. The rating is 18A, not my cup of plasma, but uh, some people <laughs> like this sort of thing, for sure. All right, and then one for David Bowie fans. Yeah, this one for sure for David Bowie fans, also in theaters. It's Moon Age Daydream. It's a cinematic voyage exploring the creative life of David Bowie, the man who fell to earth, highlighting his creativity and his talent. Now, Bowie died in 2016 at the age of 69, leaving behind an epic amount of product, from music to movies to creative writing. And he is seen here in archive footage, written and directed by Brett Morgan, who had the full permission of the Bowie estate. Surrounded by such legendary talent as guitarist Stevie Ray Vaughan, who himself died at the age of 35 in a helicopter crash, Bowie had the instincts to align himself with the most significant talent available, and the results are impossible to refute. He's not everybody's cup of tea, but he is a genius nonetheless, 14A is the rating for Moon Age Daydream. That one's the other one in theaters, Raji. You know why I want to see that one? It's because they had the full permission of the Bowie estate to make it. Exactly. So exactly. I just feel often like... these things... Yeah. yeah. Often these things are unauthorized versions. Yeah. But no, you're right. This one is fully authorized. Uh, the estate of David Bowie said, don't help yourself to the archive footage. Help yourself to his notes, his artwork, and uh, it is worth seeing. Good movie. That's great. That's bound to be inspiring for people who love Bowie. And then on Netflix, Do Revenge. Do Revenge, uh, brand new on Netflix. Sophie Turner stars in this high school bullying and revenge story. And her resume is well suited for the part that she plays here, as she was Sansa Stark on Game of Thrones, where she received four Screen Actors Guild nominations. Camilla Mendes, who plays Veronica Lodge on Riverdale and Maya Hawke, uh, daughter of actors Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman, are point and counterpoint in a story that has too many roots in the truth to take lightly. Mendez and Hawke are Drea and Eleanor, respectively. Drea is at her peak in high school, Miss Popularity, and the delight of all who look upon her, until her sex tape is released to the entire school, presumably by her boyfriend. 
Eleanor is a new transfer student who finds herself in the same school as a girl who's been bullying her since summer camp when they were age 13. And a coincidental event brings polar opposites, Drea and Eleanor, together. And after some awkward moments, they decide to work together to extract revenge on those who have wronged them. It's directed by Jennifer Catlin Robinson, who is a producer and writer on Thor, Love and Thunder. The rating here is 14A, and that is New Revenge, and it's on Netflix, Raji. All right, and on Crave, people are watching The Serpent Queen. Yeah, the only snakes and serpents in this historical drama are of the human variety as we get an eight-part series based on Leona Freed's book, Catherine de Medici, Renaissance Queen of France. Samantha Morton from Fantastic Beasts plays the title role here. She was Queen of France by marriage to King Henry II for a dozen years and became one of the most significant political voices of her generation. After the death of her husband, she continued to become increasingly more influential, pulling the strings on the reins of her subordinate sons who had no idea of the extent to which they were being manipulated. For most of the 16th century, uh, Medici was the most important woman in Europe, and she was known for her ruthlessness and for her ability to make groundbreaking decisions with no concern at all for the human price. So that's a uh, very, very strong, very convoluted historical uh, series, The Serpent Queen, that is on Crave, Raji. Okay, I'm sure some people are going to love that. doesn't sound like my cup of tea, but <laughs> I'm sure some folks will tune into it. Rick, thanks so much for the breakdown today. You bet. Thanks, Raji.